Hi, everyone. Welcome to Let's Talk Snacks. I am here with my friend, Maggie Swanky. Um, she is a mother of three and is married to Carl. Um, they've been married for 38 years. Maggie, how has that been? One day at a time. Uh, like anything, it's has its highs, it has its lows. It's um, It's been a journey. And honestly, I couldn't imagine a better partner to journey alongside with. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Do you tell him that? Well, I'm not, I, <laughs> he's listening. Oh, well. We, we have a very good uh, mix of strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. And um, it helps to remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So um, Carl uh, was a Green Bay Packer. Um, Maggie, what was it like being a football player's wife? Uh, I think in Green Bay, it was a lot different because it was such a fishbowl. It's a small town. And so everybody knows everybody. And moreover, everybody knows the players and knows the wives, even though obviously we don't know everybody. And so People greet me by name because, you know, they had seen me on TV or read about me or whatever. And that could be a little unsettling because, you know, mm -hmm. when I'm just, you know, running the store in whatever I've got on and then, you know, yeah. somebody kind of looks at you at like, you're, a, you know, they have this expectation that you are an arm ornament and that uh -oh. you're always well put together and that you're always, you know, look a certain way and dress a certain way and act a certain way. And, and, um, and I think that part was the most stressful as I never really felt like I was living up to people's expectations of what a football wife quotation sure. should be, because I really don't come from that background, you know, being from the Northeast and not being a particular football fan myself and, and then suddenly being thrown into where everybody knows everything about football and, you know, a lot of the players and their wives come from where football is a much bigger mm. part of their culture and a lot gotcha. bigger part. So that was, that was an adjustment to be sure. Sure. So let's backtrack a little bit. How did you and Carl meet? Well, I did speak about not being a football plan. Um, I was out with a girlfriend. And Carl asked her if uh, she would introduce the two of us. So she came back to where I was and got me and introduced me. And, you know, I was in college at the time. And so I'm like, you know, we exchanged names. I'm like, what's your major, you know, physics. And I was a math major. And um, he, I, he said, well, I'm graduated. And I said, oh, where do you work? And he said, Green Bay. And we were in Boston. We're both Boston <laughs> College graduates. Okay. And in Boston, there's a section of Boston called Back Bay. So I thought, you know, Green Bay, Back Bay, you know, sure. we're in Boston. Sure. And he, I said, oh, who do you work for? And he said, I work for Bart Starr. And I, I just figured that was someone in, you know, Boston, because that's where <laughs> we were. And I, we just continued with the conversation. And I actually did not find out that he was a professional football player until we had been dating several weeks. And then I mm -hmm. kind of felt like a little deceived. And so yeah. I was like, you're out. Cause I, 
wasn't sure I wanted to be, uh, you know, like a girl in every town, but it did not take me long to mm. figure out that Carl was not that kind of man and not that kind of football player. And so uh, mm. we reconnected and the rest, as they say, is history. Nice. Nice. We married three years later and now I've been married 38 years, have three wonderful children and we've had a host of exchange students through the years. And now actually this year, we have the son of our very first exchange student living with us. Isn't that oh. amazing? That's amazing. Yeah, so I am back to cooking large amounts of food for a 16 year old athlete boy <laughs> who just, you know, is yeah. hungry all day, every day. So you, you have three kids, so you're not, you're not a stranger to doing a lot of cooking, a lot of baking and no. stuff like that for, for your, no. for your children, but they're, they're all on, out on their own now. Yep. Correct. Yeah. 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 So it's just only here at the house, but he eats enough for three of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Maggie, you have a passion for, for food I've, and for I cooking do. and, and what is probably your favorite, um, you know, uh, you know, like Mexican or Italian, or do you think? It's interesting that I did not like nor eat fish until after my sister Anne moved to China at my encouragement. And as a thank you for me encouraging her, she sent me a ticket to visit her. And that was the first time I really started eating fish and enjoying fish. And that was in 90 and 96 mm -hmm. and now my favorite dish my favorite dishes are seafood mm. so there you go it's never too late to try new food it's never too late like all my life I've really tried to like olives because everybody I know loves <sighs> olives and I just oh they're salty I couldn't eat them I could and I would yeah. you know wait a few years and I an opportunity would come up and I'd try them again and oh it's horrible and then I went to Tanzania with the MMU Global Service Club. I don't know, had olives over there, found them delicious, and have been eating them and using them in cooking ever since. Interesting. So Interesting. That was only six years ago. So I had tried for 50 plus years to like olives. Wow. That's how long it took me. Wow. Do you think it was the environment that like all of a sudden, like, you know, where you were perhaps, or, you know, the air, you know, they say some, you know, where you are, the certain types of food taste better. Yeah, I and wonder a certain... about that. I do think that they do have a different spice profile in mm. Tanzania. Yeah. And I wonder about that. And I also, yeah, I don't know. The fact that I was, that was our very first MMU Global Service Club trip. Okay. So it really, um, Again, like in China, they had it when I was visiting Anne, they had such a different uh, menu that yeah. I guess fish was somehow normalized. And the same thing in Tanzania, mm. it just really was so far out of my box and out of my comfort zone, like tr trying all these new things that olives, I guess, just fit right in and yeah, finally took. Yeah. Now I love them. Yeah. Isn't that uh, there's a saying that you have to try a food like seven times? I don't know the number, but. Uh, in order to like it, get oh, oh my gosh, that might yeah. be true. I tried olives a lot more than seven, though. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, right for for fifty for fifty years, you tried it, and finally it took. <laughs> um, so Maggie, you're a teacher. What got you into teaching? To be honest, I feel that there are some professions that aren't what you do, but who you are, and mm. I just feel like I've always just gravitated towards. Um, teaching and mentoring and 
um, building into and just sharing and mm -hmm. what I know and sharing my passions. And I think from that, um, what happened is back in 2000, my husband had a, a job change. And while he was in transition, I took up sub teaching Mm -hmm. uh, because previous to that, I was a real teacher because I was an at-home mom and uh, you teach all day long with that. Yes. But I, I just really, um, I found my niche. Like I first tried elementary school because I've always liked little kids, but then mm -hmm. I, but loving little kids and loving little kids for six hours a day story, especially when you've got 25 of them. And then I went to middle school and honestly, my hats are off to every middle school teacher out there. Um, you are awesome. Let's double your salary. Yes. But when I arrived at the high school, I just found my people. I found my niche and I've just mm -hmm. loved it. And that was back in 2000. And now um, I actually transitioned from Essex High School where I started to MMU okay. where I am right now. Okay, nice. And you've uh, done a lot of traveling with them as well. Yeah, I started the MMU Global Service Club um, and I did it because they had a travel club and they also, which was more geared towards sightseeing and, and visiting different country and cultures. And they also had a language immersion club where you could go to France or Spain for language immersion. But uh, all of my children had been on missions trips and just really uh, had come back changed. And so mm -hmm. I just had a, a heart and a passion for um, connecting people with underserved areas of the world. Mm -hmm. And so that's really the only um, criteria that I give the president in choosing the trip is that it's a service trip in nature and it's in gotcha. an underserved area of the world. And so we've been to Tanzania and Ecuador and Morocco and um, the Dominican Republic. Wow. And it's just been life-changing for many of the students. Uh, to wow. see not only a different part of the world and different cultures and different customs, but, um, you know, MMU has an, has a, serves a underserved oh, sure. air, segment of the Vermont population. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yet when you just realize how blessed we are here in the United States, like we have certain social structures that undergird all people, you know, which mm. just you know, is a great safety net that aren't available around the world. And so it's, yeah, it's been wonderful and amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure very eye-opening for all of those students. Very life-changing. And me too. I have nuggets yeah. from every trip. Yeah. Has any, any of the students gone on to, um, you know, doing missions, at, you know, after, do you have any, you know, like, like you changed, you know, a student coming back and saying, you changed my life. I got into the Peace Corps or, you know, something like that story. I, ha I have uh, two students, actually, one who wrote a book about oh. her uh, experiences with the MMU Global Service Club. Wow. And uh, she called it exactly paradise, huh. uh, although most people would not call where we were together paradise. <laughs> but um and she, uh, she actually asked me to write the forward to the book and asked mm. me to introduce her when she, she was asked to speak at the um, Lions Club and another club. And she has been changed by that, like her mm. career trajectory changed. And then I had another student wow. who, we did an environmental trip in Ecuador. We worked on sustainable agriculture and farming. And that is now his passion that he, wow. uh, wants to be the next Greta Thunberg 
So amazing. Uh, I do feel like I feel like mostly um, my role, especially in, at the high school level, mm-hmm. is just seed planting, encouraging, you know, being mm-hmm. wind beneath their wings, um, really helping mm-hmm. them connect uh, not only their strengths and skills and abilities, but also their passions and and pursuits, and then hopefully kind of launch them in a direction mm-hmm. equipped to fully sail. Wow. So, um, there's a lot of kids, who knows? I may hear in 10 years a, a story. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure there's tons of stories that you'll never hear about, you know, and some I shouldn't hear. (laughs) Right. Oh yeah. Right. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? (laughs) Um, So Maggie, you're a Christian. Uh, When did you, um, when did you become a Christian? Well, you know, I was raised in a, a, faith-based family. We, I was raised Catholic. And so I always knew God's address. We mm. went to church every Sunday and went to catechism. And I, I studied uh, God the way I studied reading, writing, and arithmetic. So I knew mm. a lot of facts uh, as an adult uh, going into it, but I wasn't really exposed to the person of Christ and the relationship of Christ until I was in Wisconsin and Green Bay. They had a couple who worked with um, uh athletes in action and so mm-hmm. their whole the green bay packers as and so i just really had a chance i initially i was invited to a bible study and i mm-hmm. thought it was a great spot to meet people because i was you know new to wisconsin new to the town new to the team yeah but also you know i'm a student so it was another opportunity to study uh but what so i approached it more as an academic and then Mm -hmm. what i discovered is that it's not uh, a list of do's and don'ts it's not Mm -hmm. a a a test that you have to pass with academic facts and figures but it's a relationship that just grows and deepens and so i became a believer um in 1986 and uh, have just been on uh talk about another journey a faith journey yeah. But God's held my hand and sustained me through all the highs and lows and twists and turns of it. And, um, you know, sometimes it's not easy because yeah. uh, we want our faith to be our sight, but we're not promised that. Sometimes we just have to believe mm. that what God says is true is actually true, even when we don't feel it, even when we don't see it, even yeah. especially when we don't understand it or we would do it differently. God's got it. Yeah. 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 That's the truth. So your, your, your parents, um, are, are, so they brought you up Catholic then Yeah. that, yeah. So a lot of do's and don'ts and, and, and things like that. And then you, then you learned about the relationship, um, Mm -hmm. peace and you made, and, and you made it your own. I think that's an important transition. I think a lot of people, even my own children, who I really tried to raise focusing on the relationship with God, I I think it's very easy from a worldly point of view to get lost in the fact that somehow, you know, a life of faith or being quote unquote religious Mm -hmm. is like being in in the Marine Corps. You just 
mm-hmm. you know, show up and report for duty and you've got a commanding officer and he tells you what to do and you got to do it and yeah. all this other stuff. I think that's uh, sadly mm. some, and not just one denomination, many denominations right. uh, can kind of slide into that. And, I, and sometimes inadvertently because, you know, there is a need for people to help and for people to volunteer and for people to work. And, and so the trap can be, it can be a slippery slope to sure. really focus on the doing instead of on the being and who you are in Christ. Right. Yeah. And I know, I know. that even though, um, you know, we, we raise our kids as, you know, as best as we can with the faith, um, they have to make their own, you know, their own, their own way. And I, I remember a time, Maggie, um, we were in a Bible study together and you struggling with your oldest daughter, um, because she was, you know, making some bad choices and, um, and, you know, and, so how did, how did that all work out for you? Do, do you remember, do you remember that Bible study? <laughs> I don't remember the specifics of it, to be honest. And I think that uh, is really a testimony to God's faithfulness mm. because I think I, you know, when we're in a struggle, that struggle just seems so cataclysmic and so real to us and yeah. where we are, it just can e- easily absorb our time and attention Mm -hmm. and our worry and we just wonder if we'll ever emerge from it or get out of it or how it will ever resolve itself and for me one of my biggest struggle is uh what do I need to do to get out of this and sometimes it's not at all about what I need to do it's about what God is doing and I just need to zip it and rest and be still and that is not an easy position yeah. for me um, uh, to be in because uh, there's a reason I made an analogy to the Marine Corps. My dad is a Marine and I've always said my mother should have been. And, <laughs> you know, I was raised with a strong work ethic. And so that's always my default when I mm. get worried or when I get stressed is I'm like, okay, what can I do? What can I do? Yeah. And sometimes that's not the answer. Sometimes the answer is who can I be? Yeah. And how can I pray? And um, step back, yeah, and let God do His work, and not try to get in His way or orchestrate it. Like, who right. am I to tell the Creator God of the Universe how to solve this problem? But I do. <laughs> well, He certainly doesn't mind it, and that's the nice thing. That is true. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I have given Him a couple of good giggles. Yes, through the years. <laughs> Yes, he is. He loves us. And I'm sure. Yes, I'm sure he loves to hear our ideas on on how to solve the world's problems. He does love us. He does. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, Now, let's talk a little bit about about exercise. Well, how is you, Mm. you know, I know now you, um, you enjoy swimming and 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 those things. Um, I am a huge I love swimming. I've always liked swimming. When I was younger, I was on the swim team. And also I was a diver um, uh, all the way up through my freshman year in college. And then Boston College got rid of the diving coach in a cost-cutting measure and just told all the divers, well, the swim coach will coach you. Clearly they had no understanding Uh, of what it is uh, that a diver needs. So I just have always loved the water. And um, it's something I, it's just huge for me physically 
emotionally, spiritually, you mm-hmm. name it. Mm-hmm. Good. Good. Um, and food. Let's talk a little bit about about food. Your snack, which I love, is nachos. Mm-hmm. Um, you say they're quick and easy, and you load yours with a ton of veggies, which is which is so great. It's true. I, to be honest, that is kind of my life philosophy. Whether it's a salad or chili or nachos, mm. it's just an opportunity, in my opinion. Those are great platforms for taking just you name it and putting it on top of it in all these delicious layers of yumminess and uh, having fun diving in. Yeah. And yeah. I like to experiment with it. Like sometimes, especially in the summer when corn is everywhere and, and uh, uh, I'll roast it uh-huh. out on the grill and then oh. put roasted corn on top. And uh, it really depends on what I have. Oh, it sounds but delicious. Everything goes great when you melt a bunch of cheese on top. <laughs> Melted cheese covers many a sin. It really does. Hey, it really does. <laughs> And so you grill your corn. So you do you uh, wet the wet the outside? Is that how you do it? I take about ten minutes and I soak it in salt water. Actually, oh okay, uh, husk and all. Oh, uh, well, I take the couple layers. Mixed roasted corn, in my opinion roasted corn and and you know if i'm doing that i might throw some peppers and onions on the grill too okay grilling and roasting make any vegetable oh yeah more palatable yeah yeah there's just something beautiful about a roasted pepper with the you know blackened on it Mm -hmm. and yeah it's just yeah it's just smoky charry oh yeah yeah i'm hungry (laughs) You're making me hungry, girl. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be right over. I'll bring the corn. I'll tell you another thing I just discovered. I discovered it by accident. Uh, We had a bunch of people over last Sunday and I was going to make nachos. Mm -hmm. And I saw at Costco, I was shopping at Costco for, you know, the ingredients I need. And I saw what I thought was just a tub of queso. Turns out it is vegan queso. I didn't realize it. Uh, until after I got home and it was delicious. And so now I'm like, mm-hmm. another little thing that I can put in my rotation. Cause that's, I do kind of mix up how I make the nachos. Sure. Um, there are a couple of things that obviously have to be in every nacho, but uh, you know, I, when I mix it up, I'm like, it had mixed results. My daughter hope didn't prefer it, but I thought it was really delicious. Ah, I love how, when you go grocery shopping, you look for different nachos. <laughs> nacho uh, toppings. <laughs> this will look great on nacho. This would be great on nacho. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Always on the lookout. <laughs> I yeah. love that. <laughs> uh, your favorite quote is a mind expanded by a new idea never shrinks back to its original size. And then is that you in quotations, it says, or for my children, students, I'm not on your back. I've got your back. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I expanded. In fact, many times when I am giving one student or another a <clears throat> gentle reminder, yeah, and they're rolling their eyes or they're just kind of really like, get off my back, Mrs. Swanky. 
I will ask another student, an upperclassman in the class, uh, you know, Joe, am I on your back? And they will say, no, Mrs. Swanky, you've got our back. <laughs> That's really cute. And it came in handy because frankly, uh, now that we have Ola, he's an exchange student, he's a junior mm -hmm. at mm -hmm. MMU. And so uh, I asked him to keep a calendar and to put in his, you know, football games and his basketball sure. practices and all this other stuff. I'm like, I need you to keep that current. And he's not that good at keeping it current. Huh. Um, and so I found myself having to ask him more times than I prefer. And one time he came in and he uh, was like demanding to go somewhere. And I'm like, is it in the calendar? Because honestly, today's not a good day. And uh, he just kind of gave me that thing about, because I said, this is why we have a calendar. Yeah. And he just kind of gave me that look. And his friend was one of my students. And I'm like, am I on his back? And he just said, no, you've got his back. <laughs> See, Ola? <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I'll have to use that quote. For it's true because, and I, you know, and I appreciate the fact that sometimes all of our encouragement and all of our reminders and all, like we want them to have the best, do the best, be the best, but that's not how they're hearing it. They're hearing yeah. it as you're being one big, huge, colossal nag and get off my back. Yeah, true. And so I think it helps to kind of give them that funny and fun reminder that, you know, we're not trying to squish them down. We're yeah. trying to rise them up. We're trying to help them and equip them and, and right. give them what they need. They just don't know what they don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And I love the first quote too, a mind expanded by a new idea never shrinks back to its original size, you know, and that's the neurological pathways that you're, you know, that you're, you know, growing or, or carving out when you have those new ideas. And I just, I love that one. It, and it never goes back. It reminds me and my children also hold me accountable to it because mm. I do think that we can get comfortable. And I think it, I think it's important not only intellectually to confront yourself with new ideas and new trains of thought and <clears throat> new people, places, and things, but I think it's good emotionally and mm -hmm. physically to challenge yourself as well and, and to be a lifelong learner and just to be open. And yeah. I think that's, uh, I think that is what I like that quote for It reminds me, you know, I didn't turn a big number and then suddenly know everything. And now I can go on autopilot the rest of my life. There's still a lot out there. I mean, God's a big God yeah. and he's made a big world. And yeah. there is a lot to see and do and discover. There is, there is, amen to that. Mm. I love your, you love your verse. Um, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. Mm, I do love that. Tell me well, a little. First of all, that's how I yeah. got uh, my daughter Hope's name. Oh, I didn't I, know that. I had primary and secondary infertility. So it turns out if you buy two, you get one free. Oh, and hope was a bonus baby, a big surprise. Yeah. And I did not plan that, but God knew the plans he had for me, plans mm -hmm. for a hope and a future. But I think honestly, one of the main reasons 
I've always loved that verse um, is that, you know, we live in a world that we don't understand. I mean, we have literally, mm. you know, our skulls, 10 inches of real estate and a brain in there to understand this vast universe. Yeah. Sometimes we don't understand what's going on. We don't see what's going on. Oh my no. Lord, how does this possibly fit into a life that is good for me? How does this possibly, you know, line up with some of your promises? I don't see it and I don't mm -hmm. understand it and I don't agree with it. But at the end of the day, I got to trust it. And 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 no, uh, and that's why I the first half of that verse gets all the publicity, but the second half verse is really where the rubber hits the road for me. Yeah, yeah. When you seek me, you will find me. I will be found by you. God is not mm. playing this cosmic game of hide and seek. No. You know, when we're we feel lost, when we feel discouraged, when mm -hmm. we feel out of place or out of sync, that's the time to press in and seek God, Lord. You know, what are you doing? What are you teaching me? What, what how are you working? You yeah. know, what are my next steps? Like what an incredible promise and resource for us that we don't have to muddle on our own. Yeah. Yeah. That's so well said, Maggie. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm preaching to myself. Preach it. You know that's true. <laughs> Preach it, girl. <laughs> so good. Um, and I love um, in the segment when it's all, all about you, um, it, uh, you said one reason I love cooking is that I love the community that gets built around the table. My goal is to transform my table into a healthier gathering spot. Do you think that you're in the process of doing that? I do. I, I do. And I think and I thank you because you are a big part of that transition. I, I, there's some key people that have really helped me. I've always um, been a home cooker, cook from scratch kind of a gal. And, um, and, you know, obviously when Carl was playing football, mm. I cooked lots and lots of food, but you know, what we knew about nutrition in those days, Carl played in the eighties, sure. an offensive line party every year. And so I would just cook massive amounts of veal parmesan, eggplant parmesan and, and uh, yeah. all this stuff. But you know, a pregame meal in those days was a steak. Like they just didn't have the some of the science and some of uh, the insight into nutrition sure. what they have today. And so, and I have seen it all in mm -hmm. my years. I've seen the, you know, sugar is bad, sugar is okay. Sh yeah. You know, fat is bad, fat is okay. Eggs are bad, eggs are okay. You know, I've I have seen it all, heard it all, tried it all. Yeah. And what I really come to the conclusion is that what I what I'm kind of narrowing in on is mm -hmm. to keep it fresh, keep yep. it simple, mm. and you know stick as close to whole fresh ingredients as possible, and yeah. not and the less processing the better. So instead of buying you know pre-made chicken nuggets, either buy chicken or even just buy boneless skinless breasts like honestly i think mm -hmm. it's worth the uptick in charge so yep. you don't have to process the chicken although yep. having said that one of my favorite things to do after we have chicken is to throw the carcass in a pot and make a yummy chicken soup oh i know um, so there are times when processing a chicken is not a bad thing but <laughs> when you're busy and stressed you know make things from that rather than right. allowing 
a huge processing plant to do it for you because then they have to do all kinds of weird things to the food yeah. to make it stable enough to you know ship all over the place. Right, right. Yep, that's true. And I know that you've always loved to gather with people too. That's one of the things that you know I really love about you is is um, your welcoming, um, your welcoming spirit for sure. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. I come from a big Irish family. And so I have a long tradition of gathering around the table. I have a long tradition of lively conversation mm-hmm. around the table, lot laughing mm. around the table. Uh, and I think that that's really informed that, um, that value for me and that I yeah. wanted to do with my kids and their friends and my own friends. And, and, um, and honestly, I just find it a wonderful refuge to be in the company of women and mm. just to, you know, let your walls down and to, to know and be known to love and be loved, you know, yeah. and to be able to, yeah, just be encouraged in that way. It's, it's a truly, it's a unique thing to have a sister friend. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the last time I was at your house, um, uh, uh, Margie had, was visiting and I remember that it's just, uh, all of us around the table, we hardly had enough room, you know, to all sit, but you know, you know, your table was large enough and we made it work and it was a wonderful celebration, um, of, of sisterhood. It It really was a wonderful celebration of sisterhood and yeah. And just how, you know, I people and people, and nobody likes, I don't like it either. But what I've come to appreciate in hindsight is that our friendship and our friendships are forged in mm-hmm. that. Like when mm-hmm. you have a common goal or a common um, hurdle to overcome, you know, and, and it's not all hurdles. Like sometimes you have a common great goal. Like, you know, I met in mothers of preschoolers, moms, yep. and, yep. you know, some of the organiza- organization and producing of that it has mm-hmm. some of the greatest joy of my life. So that yeah. was not all hardship, but we also walked with each other through struggles and through yeah, yeah. some of the difficulty of that period. And, and that really um, is what forged our friendship and made a friendship at last, which, yeah. you know, I feel like that's an encouragement. Look for the silver lining in struggle mm. because it's there. God promises that he will, if we let him, he will use us not only in our life, but uh, especially in the lives of others. And sometimes I think this is the part where trust comes in again, is that sometimes we don't know Mm. how God is using any particular uh, thing in our life. You know, we think we've got this target audience that we're quote unquote, reaching and teaching, right. but the reality is it could be someone we don't even know is observing or experiencing yeah. right. or, you know, is, you know, that one step removed, but is mm. somehow being blessed by it. And so I think that's, again, where we just have to trust that, yeah. you know, we see just a part of what's going on. Yeah. God sees it all. Yeah. 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 Beautifully said. And with that, Maggie, we'll have to um, end our podcast. Thank you so much uh, for joining me uh, tonight. Thank you for having me.